Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hi everyone, they said it would never happen, they said spunk phones tweets would shut us down in this cancellation era, they said that I would have a heart attack before it would ever happen, and they even said Rizzo would sleep in for it. But no, Glasgow's Green, aka Gigpod, has made 100 episodes, and while we're determined to ensure this is another normal podcast and not self-indulgent crap you'd see Montgomery Burns produce at the Springfield Film Festival, we do just have to say thanks to everyone for supporting us in the lead up to episode 100. It's a massive thanks from myself, Stevie, and I'm sure Rizzo here will say something even less genuine and shorter, won't you, John? Eh, uh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. It's uh, a great achievement to reach 100 episodes, and uh, thanks to all our wonderful listeners for helping us reach that achievement by listening to uh, every episode, even the ones after dreadful Celtic defeats and where we've been in a panic, etc. You've stood by us and we can only thank you for that. We, of course, do it for the fans because, just like them, we are fans. Truly, you are some of the greats. Now, before I go on, I do have to say Spunk Phone was meant to be joining us, but about half an hour ago, I get a message to say he's in hospital. Hopefully, I hear back soon and all is okay. John, I don't know if he messaged you in the chat. I don't know if you've even checked your phone. Did you even know? Eh, no, I didn't, but... Yeah, well, soon, spunk phone. Genuinely, did message saying he's in hospital, so I'll check in with him, and by the end of the episode, maybe I'll have good news or whatever. Speaking about good news, John, finally, we've ended that ridiculous hoodoo at the Anthony Macaroni Arena. How class do you feel now? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, a great Celtic performance at a, a Celtic graveyard, as it's not too, uh, that's not too harsh a word for it. What was it, 15 years since we'd won there? Okay, we hadn't played for, I think, 10 or 11 or 8 years, but no, it was a, a great result, and it was a, a great performance as well. Our best performance in a while, and that was the most important thing. Well, the most important thing was the three points. But I think it was important as well that we played well, because we're coming up to the the most important part of the season, and we haven't been playing well. And I think that that result yesterday, I think, would uh, have annoyed a lot of people. I'll just put it like that. <laughs> I wonder who you're talking about. I have been saying, though, on 67 Hail Hail with Hamish, especially last week when I was in a half after Hibs, that I was sick of just seeing us get over the line with three points. We needed a good performance too, and we got that yesterday. Now, I also have sort of relaxed my expectations with a Celtic team. Well, wait a second. After that game, when I texted you from merry old London, you were like, that's it, we've blew the league. And then two hours later, when Rangers had dropped two points, you were like, Oh, we've done it, we're going to win it. 
that's what it takes. I can't believe how fickle you are. Can't believe it. I'm a reactionary football fan, just like ninety nine percent of football fans. John, hold on a minute here. I didn't say we blew the league. I said we've made it really difficult for ourselves. Right. Okay. Fine. But no, what I did say was if Rangers beat Motherwell last week, then I think they would have been favourites because they would have got such a boost from that. Psychologically, it would have been massive for them to pull back level again after us dropping points and they would have been on a high from it. But no, they were idiots. I think we would have got a boost from that. And I think in turn, we took the we took the good news basically from Ibrooks into the game against St Mirren, got the three points there. And then we built on that win against St Mirren after you know recovering from the setback against Hibs into the Anthony Macaroni Arena yesterday. Now, we'll talk more about the performance in a wee second, but John, thinking about the lineup here, talking about reactionary football fans, and yes, that was me yesterday now. I was very surprised at the lineup. There was a few players that had me raising my eyebrows. The manager made a few calls that had me internally having a meltdown, if I'm honest. A lot of my worries were more to do with the fact that I didn't think the manager was going to manage the game very well because we would have been crying out for the right subs to be made. I thought it was going to be a physical battle. I thought we were going to be huffing and puffing. We would have made subs far too late, like we have done in recent games, and just not made the right changes. And that's why I was a wee bit worried about the type of subs that were going to be made. They have to be spot on there. But as it turned out, Ange gets paid the big bucks for making the big decisions, and he got it completely spot on. The three sort of positions I was really concerned about was James Forrest at right wing, I was very concerned about Tom Rogic in the middle. And, of course, I was worried, again, we know Joseph Juranovic. Even though that against Livingston before, when he plays left-back and he cuts inside, they basically narrow it down and they make it really, really difficult to break down. You need an overlap in left-back there. So, I, you know, out of all the calls, I can see why the manager made that one. But not having Juranovic could have potentially came back to bite us if we didn't get the timing of the first goal. And I'm glad that we did. I'll let you talk about why you were concerned before I talk about the timing of the opening and everything. I was more really surprised than concerned. I actually wasn't that surprised with one of the picks, James Forrest, because I thought he actually played well against St. Mirren when he came on. Obviously, it's not a James Forrest before his injury, but I thought he played well, and I thought I think he'd be back in the team. And I wasn't really surprised he came in ahead of bad. I know he's scored a lot of goals, but he's maybe off the boil a wee bit recently. And of course, Neil Beaton came back. We didn't mention him. That was a, a big... I don't know, in a way, I wasn't surprised about that <laughs> because he played at Tynecastle. I think... I don't want to look ahead to it because it's not for another month, but it wouldn't have shocked me at all if Neil Beaton started when we go to Ibrooks because that's a difficult away game. In fact, we've only got three away games left and I think Neil Beaton will start another two after the split. So... Juranovic, though, that was a real surprise because he's such a good player for us. And I know, and Greg Taylor obviously like kept his, his position at left back, and Tony Ralston came in, and that was a good move in the end. But as because I know that people just don't really like Greg Taylor, and he is maybe not our best player, but you can see why the manager likes to play him because he is an actual left back and JG isn't. So. It was a gamble. It really was a gamble. I think if we hadn't had such a terrible record at the Spaghetti Arena, that people would have they wouldn't have been as as alarmed by just team selection. They'd been like, "Oh well, okay." I mean, I can see why he's done it, but because we've got such a terrible record at Livingston, I think everybody was in a, a blind panic about it. I predicted the midfield was actually going to be near Beaton 
Kyle McGregor and Matt O'Reilly. I really didn't see Rogic coming in. That team yesterday did the business, John, and it just goes to show that I really do know nothing about football. Even after 100 episodes, who would have thought it? When you saw how we started the game, it was the opening 10 minutes. They were very end-to-end, actually. Um, Livingston had a really good chance. I think it was a ball came in for a corner, and one of the guys just like got a foot on it. Hart made a fantastic save. But despite that happening, Celtic were generally in control of the game, and any time we went forward, John, we looked very threatening, Jota in particular. I'll talk about him later. He was my man in the match. But the first 10 minutes or so, you you could tell that it was a very different Celtic from what we saw last September there, when it was just murder to watch. I need to say, though, that was a, a brilliant save by, by Joe Hart. I have to say, the one real flaw in the game yesterday was our defender at set pieces. We were talking about it later, but it was uh, Obelai. It was he getting at the, the back post and he put in, it was like a, a half volley type of thing. I think it was a half volley or a half volley, but it wasn't an easy save for Joe Hart. And the most important thing was he managed to get enough strength in the save that Celtic managed to clear it. And if we'd give away a goal in like the first 10 minutes at Livingston, that would have just been catastrophe. Yeah, because they would have just they would have just sat in and made exactly. it difficult. It would have been horrible. I think whoever got the first goal was really crucial yesterday. The fact that we got it, you know, gave us so much more encouragement and the team mentally went, right, okay, let's end this hoodoo. We can actually add another or we can sit back and let them come to us. We were just in control after that. But if they scored it, yeah, it would have been, oh, uh, would have been, they would have made it really difficult for us. So it was such an important save. I don't think we'd have won if they'd have scored the first goal. I mean, I know we obviously won it relatively comfortably. But if they'd have scored it, as you said, they'd have just sat like 10 men behind the ball in their own half and said, break is done. And what we'd have done was just put aimless crosses in. So no, that was a, a massive save. That I think that, I don't know if a lot of people have been talking about it, but that really was a big save. As the game went on, Celtic started taking, you know, the game to Livingston. We started taking control of midfield, especially Rogic, who we were questioning beforehand, was really physical in midfield along with Beaton. McGregor was driving us forward. The three of them, John, played as a real unit and they were excellent in that opening 15 minutes or so. Then we get the penalty and Cal McGregor steps up. Now he's already missed one against Ferenc Faros and he missed one again. So when he hit the post and then he missed a free header, did you think, here we go again? Well, I did, and I did write into it, I did, oh, a cost that they said him after he missed the penalty. But I was impressed with the fact that they didn't let their heads go down. Like, immediately after that, literally 60 seconds, McGregor missed that sitter when he headed over the bar when it was a simple header with a put in the net. And then, just a minute after that, we scored. So it was two minutes between the penalty miss and the goal, and we missed a sitter, and we managed to score. So obviously the team were determined to make sure that we got the first goal. And you can even tell with the reaction of the fans, it was like a goal would score against something like Rangers or Hearts. That's that's like the way the goal was celebrated. People were going crazy, and rightfully so. Three things. One, probably wasn't a corner, right? I'm saying probably here, it wasn't a corner. Two, we actually threatened from a set piece. And three, it was Dyson Maeda who scored. The timing of it was exceptional. Because, as you say, the fact that we didn't let our heads go down, we kept at it, and it was just so crucial because can you imagine we dwelled on that penalty miss and the sitter? It would have played on the team mentally, and Livingston would have got so much confidence from it and grew into the game. Give me your shoot opinion on all three of what I just said there. The fact that we got the corner, the fact that we threatened from it, and then the timing of the goal. It wasn't a corner, but these things happen. I mean, deal with it. 
we get these decisions. Some games, some games we don't. I mean, I know people were crying about the the corner and the fact that we got that penalty and it was a bit of a soft penalty. But and they were saying that Rogic handballed before the second goal. I don't think so, but. Uh, shouldn't be forgotten that I'll, I don't like to talk about referees, but a Livingston player did put in a a setting a book, bookable challenge when he'd already been booked and he didn't get sent off. But we'll not hear about that. So uh, there wasn't a corner, but these things happen. <laughs> um, settings game in a row score for a set piece is a miracle, and Kyle Starfield played a big part again. I mean, he might have inadvertently done it against St. Mary when they bought it off him, but he still played a part, and then. And Sunday won that header. It was a good save. And Dyson was there, right place at the right time, where he had to be, where a good striker should be. And that's he's, I was looking up the stats. He scored five goals already for us in 12 games. And I think that's more than respectable. I think he's doing well. So, no, it was perfect timing. And the team were determined not to let Livingston get a foothold in the game. And it was so important that we scored the goal. And... It was. I was impressed with how we managed to put that penalty behind us. It was the sign of a team that wants to go on and, and win the league. Before we talk about the second half, did you notice in the first half too, John, Joe Hart usually like goal kicks and when he gets the ball, he's always releasing it very quickly, like within two or three seconds. That's it, the ball's away again. I noticed yesterday in the first half though that Livingston must have been expecting that, must have been expecting us to go 100 miles an hour. A couple of times we slowed the game down, Joe Hart, didn't release the ball for a good, you know, five, six seconds, maybe more, and he slowed it down. And I think we things after going ahead with a really frustrated Livingston, and I like to see that it was like proper game management, wasn't it? It wasn't. The thing I really noticed was that maybe because of the way Livingston didn't really sit in as much, but we didn't do a lot of that passing around at the back between Starfield, uh, Carl Vickers and Joe Hart, which I know can drive people mad. It does annoy me at times, and we were guilty of that for what I saw against Hibs and against St Mirren. We didn't do that a lot. We were getting the ball forward a lot quicker, and I think that's what helped make it such a, a good performance, the fact that we, we kept going forward. We didn't give Livingston time to get composed, and I think that's that'll happen. That'll need to happen a lot in the t- between the games and now the end of the season, even like Tannadice, because, I mean, that's a cup game. They would be happy with that going to penalties, just putting men behind the ball. I think when we play, was it, Ross County and St Mirren, the other two other games about who Rangers, I mean, after... St Johnston. St Johnston, I sorry. I mean, they need points, but they'll still be playing men behind the ball, because they'd be halfway a point. Ross County, I know they're playing well, but they'll be the same probably. So we'll need to keep getting that ball forward quickly, probably even. Well, I don't know what we'll do at Ibrox. We'll talk about that when we do the, the preview, but... No, it's so important that we, we get the ball forward and the fact that we didn't spend loads of time passing the ball like aimlessly about at the back, that I think was a, a big part of how well we played yesterday. Timing of the goal in the second half, John, so key again because Martindale would have got Livingston in there, he would have probably hyped him up, basically saying start hitting the ball long, start getting physical, start getting aggressive, this Celtic team can't handle it, but within like, a minute of the restart, Anthony Ralston gets the ball, puts in a cracker, ends up coming off Nicky Devlin. It's an own goal, it's 2-0, and realistically there, John, the game is over and done with. Now, I thought it 1-0, I didn't see Livingston coming back into it, because Celtic, did you notice that? Whenever we go 1-up, we haven't lost since September 2018, and do you know what game that was? Kilmarnock. Well done, the one when Stuart Finlay scored. Aye, uh, well, one, I think Griffiths scored for us. 
that was the last time we went 1-0 up and lost the game. But when we got the second game was well and truly over. I thought Ralston's balling was good. And what I noticed yesterday it was excellent, John. And I love seeing it that there was no more of these aimless, hopeful crossing. Like every cross was actually purposeful and it wasn't just like hitting hope. We were actually aiming for men and threatening positions and that's how we got the second goal. It was, yes. And it was even more important because I know that you said you were confident with win and so was I. They did have a good chance right at the end of the first half when Obelai, the guy that nearly scored at the start of the game, uh, headed it off the bar when our defence decided just to give him loads of time and space uh, and they really should have scored. So they still had a threat, even though they'd done practically nothing. So it was really important that we got that second goal and it was the perfect time. I mean, I think the longer it would have went 1-0, the more people would have got antsy. But no, 30 seconds in and we scored the second goal and that did really end the game. And it, as you said, it was a great Bob Ralston. Thought he was really good. They justified Angie's decision to select him. And no, it was a and and I mean if Devil Henny put it in, Dyson would have been there to put it in. So no, that was the perfect start to the second half. And we followed up on that no long after that. Yeah, James Forrest taking his goal so well, John. And you know, I've been critical of Forrest all year. I, I haven't seen him put in a decent performance at all ever since he came back for the winter break. Now he scored against St Johnston in the semi final. We thought he was going to finally kick on and you know, really challenge Abada in that role. Didn't happen. Um, broke down again, then was out of form. And I was really, I was surprised that the manager was showing so much faith in him. But it is really good man management from Ange, isn't it? I believe that Ange actually was speaking to Forrest and gave him a wee sort of role against Mirren to build up into this one. Forrest, you know, repaid the faith the manager showed in him. It was a great move. Fine finish. And while I'd like to turn around and say, that's it, James Forrest is back. We've got to remember... It was one goal, it's one performance. We really need to see him build on it. But for a guy, John, who's taking a lot of criticism from myself, I do have to say he deserved that yesterday and good on him. No, I agree. It was an excellent goal. It was the James Forrest old that scored that goal. I mean, it was a great pass for Joe, but it was a really good run as well. It's the sort of thing that bad has been doing for us this season, getting in uh, the attacking positions. And maybe the goal could have done a tiny bit better, but I thought it was an impressive finishing. I mean, as you say, it's just a start for him. And I see, I seen that he was man of the match yesterday, and he deserved that because he had something like twenty-four out of twenty-five passes, which is really good. And as you say, Dan has been talking to him. I thought he done well against St. Mirren, and I think he deserves he deserves to start at Tandy's anyway. And I thought it was clever management as well, taking him off for like fifteen minutes to go. Just I was a bit concerned when it, it actually made that brilliant run in the first half. It was a a cross in by uh, Beaton, and he'd done this excellent run into the box, but he just sort of slipped over at the last minute, and he was down. And I thought, oh, I hope he's not injured again. That would be so unlucky. And you know what that artificial pitch is like. But no, he played on, and it was an excellent goal. It was like the James Forrest that was in that Celtic team under Brendan Rodgers when he won Player of the Year, and he was probably our best player. And I don't know if he'll ever reach the heights again, as you said. Injuries have really done a number on him. I know I've said that before on the pod. But I think he's been a wonderful player for Celtic and I just hope he can stay fit and he's got that experience though that a lot of the players in this squad haven't. He's seen it and done it all. I mean, I know we've got like Beaton and McGregor, Joe Hart, Greg Taylor, they've won trophies with Anthony Ralston. But a guy like James Forrest, he's been with Celtic for so long. He's been in title races. He's been in very successful Celtic teams and if he can stay fit, 
he will be a big player for us in the next two months. I mean, I, I still don't know if I started with Ibrox necessarily, but I really think he could play a part if he can keep his fitness and he can keep his form. He deserves to stay in the team, and I would have no qualms at all about picking him. And he knows he has to play well anyway to stay in the team because there's a badder, there's Jota, there's even Dyson because he's playing in the wing at times as well. So he knows he has to play well. He's obviously got a good relationship, I think, with the manager if he's like been talking him up. And he must have had that must have been in the manager's thoughts that he was going to start the day all week. Because the manager must have thought, we'll give him like however long he go against St Mirren. And if he does well, I'll pick him on Sunday. And he did well against St Mirren. And he did earn that place in the team and I thought he was excellent. And it was really good to see. I don't know if he'll ever hit the heights he once did, but no, that was excellent for James Forrest. I'm happy for him. So I'm going to assume that he was your man in the match yesterday? Aye. Hammer Jota, I'd say. That was Jota for me. It was just such a threat for Livingston and created so many chances. Anytime he was on the ball, he was just, he was so he tore Nicky Devlin apart. He had a torrid time yesterday. But also his defensive work, John, really impressive. He was tracking back a lot to win the ball. He was so hungry. He had the desire to get at Livingston. He had the desire to sort of beat his man and just shine for his yesterday. And I think Jota was my man in the match. But have to also give a shout out to Carol Starfelt. Starfelt's been playing really well, John, ever since he came back from his injury. It almost seems to be it's like it's like patronising whenever you just see people like right after the game saying another great game for Starfelt, but no one will talk about it. But it's getting to the point nobody needs to talk about it because it's becoming expected now. You don't always need to sort of go over the top and praise him because he's now getting to a level that is the standard you expect. And at Celtic, that is generally the level you have to get to, isn't it? And the fans will start respecting you more. As he's now at a level that a Celtic centre-back should be. I mean, I know you didn't mention the couple of final against him, so he had a real stinker that day. And I think that sort of... That and his sort of pretty poor start to the season, I think, sort of made a lot of people's mind up. But no, I mean, he's in a couple of them doing games in Europe, but then nobody really played well for Celtic in Europe. It's gang against Bodo Glimp, really. Not even CCV? Not even CCV, no. Nobody showing in day two games, and I think Starfield's been playing as well as CCV recently. For I only saw the last two minutes in the highlights of the Hibs game, but I thought Starfield was very good against Hibs. He didn't really have anything to do against St. Mirren, but he did play a part in the goal, done that again against Livingston. And I thought there was a good bit in the second half yesterday where he ushered a sort of beat a Livingston guy, ushered the ball to a player, and sort of G'd up the fans. and Everybody went mad. I've been critical of Starfelt and CCV probably before the winter break because they weren't good at carrying the ball out of defence and moving us up the pitch. But I've noticed in the last couple of games, Starfelt especially has really been good at that. No, he was going ballistic against Hibs uh, when nobody was making a run for him because like, uh, we were so like closely marked and nobody was making a move and he was gone ballistic and nobody was trying to get the bat, the pass. So no, I think he's doing well. He's doing what a Celtic centre half should be. We played, I think, a phone ball game for him, so he should be dominating and playing well. And obviously needs a good partner alongside him and CCB is that. But no, I thought he'd done well. And actually, I, I'm going to have to say something about Greg Taylor too, because I know he's the whipping boy. I thought he played very well yesterday and he had a lot of rough tackles and all for Livingston, who uh, under the most... Uh, sort of free-flowing football said they like to uh, put in some tough challenges and 
I thought Taylor stood up to that, and I thought him and Joe, I know we talked about Joe earlier, I thought they were excellent together, and I know because of JJ, because he is a better player, really, than Taylor. I don't know if he's a better left back, but Taylor will, because he's the, he doesn't play well sometimes, and it's obvious, like he wasn't good against Bodo Glimp, like he sometimes stands out a bit, but like, and when he does play well, you don't really hear much about it, maybe apart from against Rangers, because he was excellent that night. But that was another tough away game, and I thought Taylor was excellent. And if we go to win the league, he'll really deserve plaudits because it can't be easy for him. He, he probably knows that the fans might not think he's the best, but he's got them batting in a manager, which is the most important thing. And I thought he was very good just today. Very briefly, we still do need to improve and upgrade that position, John, regardless. We do, we do. But I mean, obviously, we're not going in between now and the end of the season. and Taylor, I think, will start most games and I think he'll need to keep up the same level of performance. And I'm actually fairly confident that he will because I thought he was excellent yesterday. So good on him. We're in a good position ahead of this run-in. Unfortunately, we're not playing in Europe. And I would have loved a European run, you too. And the Bodo debacle was embarrassing, but we just have to put that behind us. We just have to focus on rebuilding and doing better next season. Now, Rangers are going to be playing in Europe. So that means they're going to be playing on Sundays. They're still scraping by. But John, we bounced back to form yesterday. We also collected the three points. And if we can play like that while winning in the run-up to the split and even beyond, you've got to fancy us for that league. You do, but I mean, I'm not getting carried away yet. We're still, is it eight games to go? We'll still go Ibrooks. I think a big advantage of their weight is the goal difference. Was it 11 ahead, Will? Yeah, John, so... The goal difference, we are 11 ahead. We've scored the most goals. We've conceded the least. So we really do deserve to be top. And if you look at the trend, if you look at the way that sort of the form has been between the two teams, like, I know we've been we've been generally more up than down since the winter break, while Rangers, you know, they haven't been impressed at all. I know they beat Hearts 5-0 and they controlled their game against Hibs, but they've really struggled away from home. They've been scraping by in the last couple of games, John, and with Europe added in with them I just I don't know I don't want to tempt fate but I would definitely say we're the favourites for these uh, next eight games uh, we're obviously favourites because we're three points ahead and we've got about 11 goals and goal difference and uh, I don't know I don't want to tempt fate but it does look good to now and it was really important that we played well yesterday I mean I, I don't know if we'll be able to match that standard every week I mean, I think the Ross County and St. Johnson games will only be pretty. I would take two 1 0 wins in the games. Just any wins will do the now. So it, it looks good. And if we can avoid defeat at Ibrox, and if we're still three points clear and we'll leave Ibrox, that'd be fantastic. I guess the one thing I'm taking from this season, John, is that football just changes very quickly, doesn't it? I mean, look at last Sunday. I was so demoralised and then within a few hours I was having pints with Hamish, loving life and not getting into midnight and all that. So You did predict though, I have to say, you did predict and I poo-pooed you and said you were being ridiculous that we would uh, drop points at Hibs. So, well done. Well, I wish I wasn't right though, so. Like, well, you said you were in a panic about Hibs, or you were dreading it in a panic or something. And I was like, don't be silly, we'll beat them. And... Of course, I ended up missing most of the game, thank God. Wait, wait a minute, you're saying, you're saying the famous Rizzo doesn't know ball? <laughs> I was wrong on that occasion. I was distracted, though, because I missed the first 65 minutes of the game, and I had to watch it in a pub called O'Neill's. 
in Wardour Street in uh, that London. So there's a plug for them. They'd pints are cool as well. What a bar. <laughs> <laughs> so next time I'm in that London, maybe on yours can give you some freebies, right, lads? But uh, no, you were right about that. And just like you, I was like, oh, we've blown it basically last week. And then when I was out in that London, I got the, a notification that Rangers hilariously drew to each. And I thought, oh, well, we're still, we're still like ahead. And then this game yesterday was so huge just because we're so bad at Livingston. And as I said, I think that upset a lot of people. A lot of people were expecting us to drop points yesterday. And not only did we win, but we, we really should have won four or five one. And it looks good. That's all. So it's looking good to know. But as you say, it can change very quickly. And if, like, if it's like level after Ibrox, that'll just like put everything back. Back in the sort of Melton port again, although I would hope that we would win against them at Celtic Park. That that'll be another massive game. But then I mean just just one thing before we go to the next the the celebratory hundred episode topics. We can't even like predict who's gonna be in the top six because it's so close. Like Hibs Hibs are fourth and they've got thirty seven points. But Aberdeen are tenth and they've got thirty two and they're playing each other in two weeks. Like Mirren even, if they win their game in hand, they'll be in the top six. I think the Ross County's got better goal difference. And like Dungeon United, Motherwell, Livingston, the only two teams we know are definitely playing are Rangers and Hearts. But it's, that'll make it interesting for the split because I wouldn't like to go to Livingston again, even though we've, got, we've managed to beat them. I wouldn't like to go there. Give me your top six that you would choose right now if you could. Okay, Celtic Rangers, Hearts, obviously. Motherwell, because I think we've got a good record against them and I think the way they play would be able to beat them. Dundee United for the same sort of reason that we usually play well against them. I hope that's no tempting fate against before the cup game, but I mean, so far this season, at Tandice, I mean, that was one of our best performances of the season. We did get a huge win against them uh, when Abada scored. And Aberdeen, I suppose, but I really don't think they're going to get there. So what we did ask you guys, the wonderful audience, is we said, we're looking for some of your favourite part of the best and worst Celtic opinions we've had from the last 99 episodes, or even just let us know your favourite part on the Twitter account. Give us a shout and we'll read some out. Well, I have to say, we tweet a lot of nonsense, right? And the engagement is utterly ridiculous. Now, we asked genuinely for you to come to us and we'll give a shout out. Engage with us for a wee bit and you haven't even bothered. Such a minuscule reply, John, in the grand scheme of things. We tweet about somebody being away and everybody loves it. We've just asked for once, for your help, so we can do this filler section. And Harley MD's get involved. It's a disgrace, John. I know, that's why we're never going to ask the fans to contribute anything ever again. Actually, before we get into that, we were going to talk about your favourite moment in the 100 episodes, either on the podcast or on the account. So for mine, it was the build-up to Stephen Gerrard being away in the big announcement. It must have lasted like four whole days. The anticipation was it fever pitch and the announcement was, I think the announcement was like up there where if you searched his name, we were one of the top ones alongside BBC and Talksport and all that. It was mad, but it was definitely Stephen Gerrard away for me. What was yours? Well, as I, as I don't do the Twitter account, that's your domain. I can't believe you picked a Rangers related thing, even though I know it was a tweet. Mine was obviously getting to interview World Cup winner Hendel. That was uh, that was a sensation. Just a pity he wasn't in the the, the world's last last year. Hopefully, we'll be back this year. But no, getting to interview Hendel was good. Getting to uh, talk to Ange and the late lamented Don Mackay at the 
the start of the season pressure. That was uh, interesting as well, just when you look back and thought Ange had some good comments to make. And of course, talking to you and Spunkphone and everyone else has been has been fantastic as well, Stephen. Thanks for that. Well, talking about yourself and Ange, that's what WePlexers has said at WePlexers. Who, who's he? I don't know him. <laughs> He's an unnamed. No, actually, I'm not going to get to that one. <laughs> um, so at WePlexers, we asked you what your favourite moments were all throughout the 100 episodes. WePlexers was said when Ange was basically um, talking to you and your opener to him was, hey, Hi Ange, what an absolute belter. One of the true iconic moments of Gigpod. Uh, well, we've got one for Hamish Carton. I don't know who he is either. And he actually says, Rizzo's Neil Lennon statue gimmick was truly one of the worst. It wasn't a gimmick, and there'll be a statue in, uh, in Greece, or, wherever, or Cyprus, isn't it? He's away to because he's actually got a new job, unbelievably. Cyprus hell? <laughs> there you go, exactly. What a band. They must be insane in the membrane, to point Lenny. Oh! Boom! <laughs> That is comedy. but And he also said, Hamish also said, the show when Stevie slash Rizzo convinced themselves Lenny would get a crack at the end of the, se- crack at the season only for him to be sacked a few days later. I think that was probably after the Ross County game when, it, when we get that humiliating defeat and then it gets sacked, I think, two days later. Can we not just say it was a work? No, I don't do that sort of thing. I'll leave that to the likes of you that, that go on Twitter and do works. But no... Uh, that was a mistake. We did think Lenny would get kept on, but then he didn't. So, well done to the Celtic board. And that statue thing isn't a gimmick. He will have a statue one day, but it might be in Cyprus. All right, here's one where I get bodied from at JHNMCGNLY, otherwise known as Big John McGinley of 67 Hail Hail. Now, he said, persevering with the month by month review of last season by about seven episodes too many has to be addressed and apologised for. Well, here's the apology. I'm not going to do it because it was still filler. We needed to get stuff out for fans and what was a... We tried to make the best of what was a a miserable pre-season for everyone involved with the club. And you know what? I actually didn't have the energy to do April and May. John, we were meant to get together in May, remember? I could only do up to March before it drained me and I went, no, no more of this. It's enough. The wonderful Boys Analytics recorded one with me for April. And I remember just at one point just going, I can't do this anymore. This is, I'm in way over my head. So, yeah, I'm not going to apologise for it, but I can definitely admit it went on too long. It was a bad idea. It shouldn't have happened. Everyone who joined in um, and all the contributors were fantastic. It was just me thinking we needed to get something out for pre-season just to give people a laugh when the reality is, John, just like a lot of people probably say, I should have just said nothing. Exactly. Actually, I've just remembered another highlight. In fact, the highlight, but I'll leave that until after we do these uh, these comments for the fans. So uh, I've got one here for Lewis Kemp at Foxes underscore and Boxes. You for the pint with him? I have. Most have already been mentioned, but Rizzo's pronunciation of Dubai. <laughs> Can I just say, yeah, there's a, there's a guy from Cyprus, not Neil Lennon, by the way, genuinely, um, a guy... Andy, who listens to the show for Cyprus, who I met in Grace's the other week, and he chinned me for that. He asked me to say to you, pronounce Dubai properly. You call it Dubai. It's truly a war crime, John. Dubai. Is that better? Brilliant. What a guy. See, you learn an education on the show. Um, Add the lad 57 says the whole review in each month of the 2020 2021 season was pretty funny looking back on it. Funny, yes. Idiotic. 
Yes. At Kit Connoisseur. It's Connoisseur. So it's a wee bit of a play on his name there. Very clever. Hilarious stuff. Um, He was loving the I Was Stabbed part that we do. John, you'll obviously have no input on that one, so I'll move into this one here. Your tragic subway order. It really was terrible. There's nothing tragic about it. I'm a vegetarian. You can only get one vegetarian option in the subway. Nothing tragic about it. The sauce, I mean, mate, why not use the Southwest sauce or something? Oh, mayonnaise is definitely the best. Mayonnaise is, mayonnaise is the business. I'll let you read out another one, John, in a second, but um, at Ryan Storm, <laughs> this is John. Do you know that one? It's John. You say that, John. I know, but the, the gimmick is, this is John. Oh, it's one of your hilarious Twitter ones, isn't it? <laughs> if you know, you know. Right, yes. choose the next one, John. Actually, I've got another one for Kit Connor Sewell. He says, in terms of Celtic Potter, this all of last season, Gigpod made it all better. At CL Mike, Connor, another great guy, says the best patter was getting Spunk Phone on for one episode for a laugh, and then him becoming Gigpod. So, well, I, I think that's, to... a bit, that's a bit too much. I don't know if he's Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if that was the best. Probably maybe one of the most devastating moments, but definitely not the best, huh? No, no, he has... He has been excellent. He's oh, he's completely different. This is a, a look behind the gig pod curtain, but his his online persona is completely different from his uh, his podcast persona. I'm sure he'll he'll hate us for saying that, but it's true. Yeah, I know he's simply nowhere near as funny on the podcast. <laughs> You, well, no comment. I don't know why I heard him this feeling. Speaking of which, I just got a text there from Spunk Phone. Said he was in the hospital, he's fine, he's just visiting his pals, so that's good to know. I'm sure you're relieved at that one, John. I am, and I want to mention my favourite moment of all that I just remembered. The podcast, the, the prediction competition that I won. Have you had anything to eat yet? No, you're still to get me my, my meal. Uh, I know about COVID, you can't predict about well, no, so We live in a topsy-turvy world now. I, I did actually see that the legendary Jason Leach said that the numbers were going up again, but he's not worried about it. So... That means that we can obviously get the meal before the end of the season. Fine, it will be happening. I'll, you'll uh, on record live in the show to say you will get your meal before the season ends, definitely. And um, if we can make sure. In fact, there's another one. <laughs> Did you know this one? I don't know if the audience will know this one. Maybe I'd mentioned it in an earlier episode. Did you know I had a supporters bus looking to do me in because I kept slagging the Scottish government? I remember that. Don't forget, <laughs> we're we're going to do our. Uh, but your listeners, like the, the what was it again? The answer questions for the fans again. Remember, we still that? want to do that. But to be fair, we were waiting on. I think we were trying to do it at a time, and then um, Spunk Phone's laptop just gave up the ghost. Didn't happen. And so. genuinely, COVID has made an impact. <laughs> it has had an impact on this podcast because not only did our meal get cancelled, we were meant to have it at Christmas, and then all restrictions came in. We were meant to meet up after the first, oh, uh, oh, sorry, first Glasgow derby of the season, and you got COVID and we couldn't do it. We were meant to do a live in-person gig pod after the game at Ibrox, and you got COVID, I think, that weekend. Truly, we are the real victims of this pandemic, Jonna. And, yep, yeah, I just want to say the Q&A will still happen. We'll get together. We'll try and do it um, in person, actually. It would be better if we could do that. Maybe an end of season. This is to borrow a word that you like to use, John. Extravaganza. Indeed, and there'll be lots more Gigpod extravaganzas between now and the end of the season. Oh, by the way, uh, not only is Neil Lennon get a new job, did you see which other Celtic legend has got a new job? No. Lee Conger. Oh, Atalanta. Atalanta, I can't believe that. 
no, actually, it's mad, isn't it? Because he went from Sunderland to Celtic to Leicester, now Atalanta, and arguably he made some woeful signings for every club. He did. I mean, the last transfer windows at Celtic, for the most part, the signings were terrible. So I don't know how he keeps landing his few. I mean, Atalanta are, are doing well. I think they're fifth now in, in the Italian league. They'll probably get to the Champions League. Again, they're a forward-thinking club, so I'm not sure about that one, but that's two Celtic legends, Larry and Lee Gongerton, batting in employment. What a, what a day. And do you know what's going to be someday, John? You're getting to speak to Ange again. Next up, Dundee United at Tannadice on Monday, the 14th of March, and you're going to be talking to the big man himself. I am indeed. Uh, it'll be a birthday treat. Is, is that it? Do you want me to tell the audience when your birthday is? Uh, it's up to you. I'll do a tweet or something for it, John. Okay, how's that? That's fine. That's fine. But no, I'm looking forward to speak to Ange. We were meant to do it, was it for the Hibs game? And then that got postponed because uh, the European game was before it and logistically it didn't work out. But no, I'm sure you'll have uh, interesting things to say and I'm not going to give away, obviously, what I'm going to ask him. Clear your throat this time as well. And I, I won't go, hi, Ange, either. I'll go, hello, I'll go, hello, mate. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. He surely would, John. I wish you'd say to me sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> here we go. Now, you thought there was going to be Beastie Boys and the outro music, but do you know who I've decided to go with? Because I'm going to be the one editing this, John, and I think I deserve to be the man to choose the music. In fact, you already know who it is, don't you? Yes, I do. It's, it's Phil Collins. Can you guess who, John? He didn't do a song with 100 in the title, did he? Take me home. It's his... Uh, Greatest one that I constantly play when I've had a few drinks in the house, dead loud. Susudio? Uh, no, in the air tonight. <laughs> that's that's not a cheery song. It's a song with such a long build up, like we've had to get to episode 100, and the big payoff is amazing when that big drum crescendo comes in. Just like this 100th episode, that was my thinking behind it. Come on. Okay, that is actually a good thing. Amazingly enough, everyone. You're seeing about a gig pod behind the scenes here, but we don't just talk. We don't just talk about football because myself and John have no sort of musical taste that we can agree with. But the one thing we agree with is that the Beastie Boys, one of the greatest of all time, eh, John. Aye, and I get slagged on Twitter uh, for saying that the Beastie Boys were my favourite rap group. So harsh, very harsh. Uh, Beastie Boys are legends. Give me the acts of the people that slagged you, John, and we'll get Spunk Phone to do something to them. I can't remember, but they remembered in my heart. So I was so <laughs> upset. <laughs> right, well, I think we've went on long enough here. This is going to take me about three hours to edit at this rate. We're well past our usual half hour, but it's a bonanza episode, an extravaganza to quote Rizzo himself. Episode 100, done and dusted. Hopefully we'll still be alive to do 100 more. So if we are great, if we aren't, I'm sure you'll mourn us in your droves or maybe about 20 people turn up. Who knows? Such that's the fan base we've got. Uh, not that I'm bitter about it or anything. But anyway, I'm Stevie. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll let John tell you where you can find us if this is your first time listening to us. John, take it away. So thanks everybody for listening over these 100 episodes. Even though the engagement to the tweet wasn't at its best, but we'll let you away with that because you're such great listeners. So you can find us on Twitter at GigPod. Find us on Instagram at GigPod, where Stevie does the 60-second match reviews. You can find us on all the usual podcast platforms. You should know by now, after 100 episodes, if you don't, you're not going to find us by now. But you can leave us five stars and good reviews, telling us how great the show is. And 
the listening numb figures keep doing it on up, so thanks everybody for that. And we'll speak to you after the Dungeon United game next week. So everybody, thanks for supporting us through these 100 episodes. We'll speak to you all soon, and hail hail. Podcast Network.